1: Welcome back, Greg. Good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you too, Dave. Long time. Long, long time. It's been like a week since we heard each other on the, on the on the on the boiling point. On the podcast. It's been about three minutes since we were actually recording last, last week's senior. episode. <laughs> Try to figure that out, audience. It is
2: good. So I know what I was saying was uh I've been told that I am not speaking uh, either
1: loud enough or close enough to the mic. I will change that. Let me do a a, a real quick thing about that, Dave. Number one, uh, one of the feedbacks (laughs) that we got weeks ago is to stop talking about the uh, technicalities of the room. Now, the two people who are holding us most at task are... Two of my employees, Steve Foster and Lachlan oh They listen faithfully to this and they're like, every time. It was good to hear you. Yeah, to, it's, it's, good, yeah. I'm glad you listened to us. glad you're listening this? and uh-huh. g- glad that you guys are, are uh, counting the times we talk about the actual voiceover booth and, uh, right. and how much, much non value you know, like, that brings. I know. And I just did it. Okay. So forget no, your, I love it. I love it. But you, did you know it. what? Boom. Done. Over. Like, mm-hmm. a scoop. Let's move on. Oh, be- or you to be- say something. Okay. Yeah, you before, can't help Before we move on, have you ever been to a live bluegrass concert? I can't say I have. Okay. The bluegrassers are phenomenal at one mic singing. So they're essentially an analog human soundboard. Okay. So if the banjo player is going to come to a solo, they come up close to this very same mic that we got right here. Then they'll go back. And then right. maybe that guy's doing the harmonies will come in. Right. So uh, this morning we got schooled by our sound engineer for you and I to get closer to the mic. Yeah, probably me. In uh, specifically, and we're both we're both chewing gum to make it a little more palatable for each
2: us <laughs> <But anyway. laughs> so so I'm really pumped about our next interview um, what's really cool is we're going to we're going we're gonna to talk to Calvin Milbury he is the president and CEO of the New Brunswick Innovation Foundation and um, he th- this is a neat organization oh my gosh I mean, amazing yeah and what they're doing is um, and we'll let Calvin kind of give the, the full story but I mean essentially they help seed um, you know these startups and uh, help give them some credibility in the marketplace and help them get launched and get off and they're they're they, they do a lot outside of that, but, I mean, I, think, I believe that's how I know them as the, kind of the primary purpose. I mean, they do some other things. What's cool was if you ever have a chance to visit their head office, uh, particularly if you're from New Brunswick, but if you're from away, uh, and you go into the boardroom, they've got around the boardroom, and you've been there, I believe, mm-hmm. right? They've got all these pictures of, of really cool, um, innovative inventions from New Brunswick, and, and you've been there, right? Well, Dave, so, so of course the, yes. So okay, okay, sorry. It's my backyard, you know. Well, okay, but I would because we played yeah,
1: poker. We played poker in there.
2: <laughs> so the reason I the reason I wanted to make sure is because I'm going to ask you the question. I didn't want to to, okay. to I didn't want to throw you off um, is um, you know, of the inventions, what do you think is the coolest New Brunswick
1: invention? And let's make sure we ask Calvin that. Uh, my favorite invention in the, that boardroom is the flushable vortex toilet. Ah, you what? stole mine. That's what I was going You say. were going to say the, the single prop propeller? Um, no, I was doing the toilet. So the, uh, the toilet, as we know it today, the one that swirls down, was invented in New Brunswick. And, um, okay, I know what mine is. Then. Okay, what's yours? The snowblower. The snowblower? Yeah. Did and you know did, that was in New Brunswick? Innovation? Did you also know that the first snowblower <laughs> in New Brunswick was actually mounted in front of a train in a bit of a uh, corkscrew shape? Oh, uh, so you just went up me, man. Well, do you, you obviously don't know my my connection to, to Calvin. No, we oh just, yeah, we just you just the TV commercials. So <laughs> I, I, I didn't I, know you actually watched them. Dude, (laughs) you think I don't watch the stuff we produce? So, anyway, we walk into the boardroom. I'm talking to Calvin and to Chet, uh, to the fantastic guys at uh, NBIF. And we looked at those posters. We're like, I can't believe how many innovations have come out of this small region that the whole world enjoys today, including different thermal windows and a whole bunch of different things. And Calvin will bring them up. But we made a a series of TV commercials about it. And in the show notes, we'll put links to them. Yeah, yeah. I I
2: was going to say it because people should see it. Because, you know what? In fact, I have seen those, and I apologize. I completely. forgot I thought you were my friend I am but you but do you know what to be fair to yeah. be fair it is hard to keep up to what you're doing man really
1: ah oh, man you guys are doing everything well I can't keep up to you either you're you're, you're, you're all you? you're, you're inspiring people all over the world and uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> doing oh Calvin how are you we're, we're, yeah. we're, 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 we're both of us are gonna try to do this whole thing at the exact same time Kelvin how are you i doing very well. How is everyone? was in stereo. I was stereo.
2: You're live, just so you know. Just so you know, Calvin.
3: Okay. This is a live podcast? This, no. No, no, no. no you're live, live
1: recording. Live recording. I, no, okay, I, live recording. A better way for Dave to say it is, we have already pressed the record button. <laughs> there
3: you go.
2: <laughs> so, Greg Greg sad, has huh? been throwing me under the bus uh, <laughs> consistently, so you can expect some of that, Calvin. Oh, yes. No,
3: I would expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: And in fact, I was describing to him your boardroom. and. And the cool pictures and then he he started to school me on did you not know Dave that I made these videos and I had to be fair, I'd forgotten. It's
1: funny, Kelvin, because he, he quizzed me. He was like, Greg, out of all of the the uh, amazing innovations that are on the wall at the NBIF boardroom, what's your favorite? he thinking that I was never there. And I said, well, no, no, the I Vortex, Vortex flushable toilet, obviously. Well, I, yeah, and, that's uh,
3: everybody's favorite. Uh,
2: because it's shocking. I, so there, and that's <laughs> it, Kelvin. That was mine. So he stole it. I shouldn't ask him that. i thinking, anyways.
1: <laughs> so the, why don't we get an introduction from Kelvin? Yes. Kelvin, uh, we did a little preamble about who you are and the incredible things the uh, NBIF are doing. But let's here from the horse's mouth. Why don't you let us know uh, a little bit about you and then also uh, this incredible uh, organization that you're working with.
3: Sure, that's no problem. Yes, I'm Calvin Milbury, the President and CEO of the New Brunswick Innovation Foundation. I'm actually um, born and bred here in New Brunswick. I uh, grew up here in Fredericton and went to school here, attended the University of New Brunswick. Um, I, I earned uh, a bachelor's science in uh, biochemistry, and then follow that up with a master's in business administration. And then my first job was actually with a, a national venture capital fund uh, named Forge and Technologies out of Montreal. And we made uh, early stage investments in biotech companies, particularly uh, new technologies that were developed in universities and laboratories across the country. We went in and identified these, uh, these technologies Um, Assessed the potential to create a business, and then we actually created the business and backed it with two to three million dollars, and then would recruit a team starting with the CEO to run that business. Um, Back in 2003, the province of New Brunswick had launched the New Brunswick Innovation Foundation as a catalyst to develop innovation in New Brunswick. And at the time, they endowed the NBIF, the New Brunswick Innovation Foundation, with a $20 million uh, a seed investment, <clears throat> which the board of the day decided to use in two ways. One way was to invest in applied research, so research and development in universities and community colleges that's applied in nature, meaning that it's later stage research, often with some commercial potential. And then the second line of business that they had put the money into was to back entrepreneurial ventures, aiming to grow and instead of just financially backing them with a loan or a grant, um, that MBIF would try something different and back those very companies with what we call equity financing. So venture capital whereby we take, we put money in the companies to help them grow and in return we receive a share position and we work with these companies over the long run as, as, a, as a partner to see them grow and realize their dreams. So when NBIF was launching this uh, on their own in, in early 2003 and setting up the Venture Capital Fund, um, they had received word that I was up in Montreal and had gained some uh, experience in that space and had a interest in helping New Brunswick. So they had approached me about uh, coming to work for them. So at the time, I was making some difficult decisions as to where I go with my career. And lo and behold, um, I had met with the first chairman of MBIF, Warren McKenzie, and the first president CEO, Yves Gagnon, And following that meeting, they had uh, made me an offer to come work with MBIF as a director of business development. And so after much consideration, I actually uh, opted for for that, obviously. And uh, so I started June 2003 and actually played a role in rolling out the Venture Capital Fund and getting it going. Uh, We made our first investment in February of 2004. And um, since then, we've made uh, many, many investments, well over... uh, well over 60 investments in, in new companies in the province and counting. And for better or for worse, I've been involved in the, all of those. <laughs> and then in 2009, we were, we were basically, um, we had access to $30 million from the province but if you recall, in 2008, 2009, the economy was turning and our province was under uh, financial uh, stress. And the likelihood of us receiving more money during those difficult times was low. So the board's view was we needed to make sure we had a runway to keep our mandate alive. And um, we undertook a, a restructuring. And the, consequently, the board had approached me to see if I would uh, be interested in becoming the president and CEO of the company. And so I was promoted from, uh, at the time, vice president to uh, president CEO. And, and, and since that day in April of '09, I've been leading our organization. And we've managed to see ourselves through that difficult time and uh, recently have undertaken an expansion whereby we've been able to bring in uh, an additional $60 million under contract. And um, the funds we have now available to MBIF is roughly $120 million in total and not only are we continuing to do applied research and venture capital this very day, we've extended our reach out into other markets. for example, over the last year we've um, rolled out a new uh, graduate scholarship program which is helping to keep uh, new brunswickers uh, New Brunswick students here but also recruit other students to the province we've run a we're running a new uh innovation research chair program where we bring um, top researchers in the province, and endow them with a million-dollar chair over five years to get them tied into doing research with industry. We've also launched an innovation voucher fund, which is taking MBF an entirely new area where we're working with more mature companies that are profitable that, to date, we've normally not worked with, and we're we're providing them with uh, what's called a voucher or a seat of a seat of capital that would entice them to work with a researcher that we've supported in the universities or community colleges. And so the company and the research together could take on a new R&D project that would better the company's uh, competitiveness and profitability. Mm-hmm. So we're just rolling that all out as well. So mm-hmm. this last year has really been a transition for us, and we're excited about uh, where NBF's is heading and, and this uh, broadened mandate and the reach that we now have.
2: Wow! Now you—I'm guessing you have given this overview a few times because it's very succinct, Calvin. A few times, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't
3: know how it came together. Uh, no, I don't no. Think it, yeah. you, you've expanded the mandate.
2: No, it's kind its really good. It's a nice history, and it's you know, and, yeah. and especially you know, especially hearing how the mandate has grown and expanded, and I know you've done a lot of important work, and we're going to ask you some questions around that. Sure. But yeah. What I was curious about, Calvin, is—is <clears throat> is this. Um, what what was NBIF like modeled after? Like is this a unique experiment in this part of the world, meaning yeah. Atlantic Canada and the province of New Brunswick? Or is this happening to the same degree in other places? What's what's your what's your um, experience or, or um, thoughts well, on that? Well there's
3: I'll try to do a short version of that, Dave. Um this is being tried elsewhere in other jurisdictions, but not in the way that NBIF is doing it. So what we've done um, at the formation of NBIF, we looked at best practices in other jurisdictions, uh, not just in Canada, but all over the world. And we looked at some of the similarities. Um, uh, we, we basically honed in on those uh, jurisdictions or regions that had a claim to fame economically due to their uh, work in the innovation space. So you think of the Research Triangle in North Carolina or Silicon Valley, or at the time, the biotech sector in Quebec. Uh, You might think of Waterloo today and and the work that's gone on there around startups. These innovative economies are growing and thriving. So we looked at those and we said, well, how can we replicate a similar model in New Brunswick? And one of the common themes is, is to remove the 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 function of funding innovation remove it from government separate it from politics and put it in an independent body and so some some provinces or states choose to do that through uh, what, what we call a crown corporation or at arm's length organization from government um, in new brunswick they they did do that but they took it one step further and they actually created a knot for not-for-profit corporation that we now know and, and, and I'd say love uh, is, as NBIF, the Redwick Innovation Foundation. And so that in itself is unique, to have that not-for-profit entity that's there that has a board of directors that's in place to guide and direct the foundations, ensure that it achieves its mandate of mm-hmm. developing innovation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that board is made up of government stakeholders. Uh, we have three of 13 members from government. We have uh, three from academia, and we have the balance of the board being seven uh, from the private sector. And we've held that, uh, that position since the beginning of MBIF. now. So from 2003 to today, we've always had a majority of the board members from the private sector, which gives us that independence, and that board kind of lays out the mandate. And what's unique about us, I would say from a business perspective, is the fact that we do both, we fund both venture capital and research under the same roof, which is very rare, and to my knowledge, isn't being done uh, in other areas. In fact, we've actually had a number of jurisdictions call us uh, to investigate how our model works, and their desire is to possibly replicate it. Um, One of the things that has helped us is the fact that all this funding we put to work in the research world um, within the universities and community colleges gives us a chance to see... And measure um, the very best researchers, what technologies they're developing, and the promise that they have. And so it creates a funnel of opportunities that we have firsthand opportunity to uh, review and assess. And if we see potential in those, we are positioned perfectly to help commercialize them and lead to new companies. And then all of a sudden, you think of our second line of business, we have the venture capital fund. We have capital that's actually earmarked for that high risk activity of launching a new business. And so then we can actually take that money and put it to work. So the motto at MBIF and the unique part of our business model is to, we actually are a bridge between research and enterprise. We are trying to fill that gap that often exists between the two with not only money, but with support and education and uh, ensuring that the, the research that's funded often with public dollars has some type of commercial outlet that leads to economic good for our province.
1: And would you say, uh, Kelvin, that, um, you know, we're looking at the MBIF as a, as a company, a not-for-profit company, but would you yep. say that you've seen significant returns, i.e. enough success stories that yes. the pot is growing? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, Maybe touch on that a little bit.
3: Yeah, sure. Great. That's a great point. And it's important to note that even though we're not for profit, we make every investment as if we're trying to achieve, like with the goal of achieving a return to your point. And uh, while we, in, while we do invest at the very earliest stages, when the risk is the highest and it takes a lot of patience, um, we have now been at it for over 10 years, and we've had successes. Um, we've had some some companies go under, um, but many of our companies are still chugging on, and some of the successes have been in the news. Some of our biggest successes would be like Radian 6 Technologies and User Events, a and, company and we Calvin called for last fr- year.
2: Calvin, for listeners that maybe aren't familiar with Radiant 6, tell us a little bit about like that as an example. of, a,
3: of That'd a, be great.
1: And, and those other companies are listed as yeah, well. Yeah, right? sure. No problem. So if you take...
3: Let's do that. Let's take Radian 6, for example. Um, in the early days when uh, this company was launching here in Fredericton, um, we happened to know um, the the founding team that was setting up the company um, from prior from prior work that we'd done, so namely Chris Newton and, and his team. And they had come to NBIF and approached us about backing uh, their efforts to launch a new business in the social uh, media monitoring space, which at the time was in its infancy, like just – Facebook and, and Twitter were just barely starting to be known by most people. But they come up with an idea that it would be very important to monitor those social media platforms to help protect corporations' brand and goodwill in this new world where customers and end users are, are communicating and, and, and engaging on, on uh, products and brands and these sorts of things. So Radiant 6 was launched, and we bought into the idea. We put a $50,000 seed investment in the company – Became a shareholder. Other angels joined in, and the company grew. And we recruited a CEO in Marcel Lebrun. And Marcel and his team grew the company and raised venture capital. And MBF participated in in that in that financing. And in total, over a a five-year period, uh, while we played a more important role in the early years, the company did you know continued to grow. We had about three hundred and seventy-six thousand dollars invested in the company. In total, they may be raised uh, close to just under $10 million in venture capital. But they took that money and used it wisely and grew the business from zero employees to 350 employees. They grew it to uh, tens of millions in, in sales and, and turned a profit and, and, and actually had the leading product in the marketplace. At a time when 300, 350 competitors were popping up trying to copy them, they were the leader in, uh, in the marketplace, and they grabbed the attention of many companies, including Salesforce. So Salesforce.com, a fairly new company in, a, in its own in its own right, uh, at the time was a 14-, 15-year-old company trading on the New York Stock Exchange out of Silicon Valley. They came to New Brunswick, liked Radiant 6, and decided to purchase the company and made it an offer we could not refuse. And so it, uh, Salesforce purchased Radiant 6 for $370 million U.S., And that funding that was received on the purchase was shared with all the shareholders, including MBIF. So our $376,000 investment returned close to $9.5 million to MBIF, so a 28 times return, which is what venture capital is all about. Um, We are trying to, we call these home runs, and a home run in the industry is typically what we call 10x or a 10 times multiple on your money. Mm -hmm. In this case, it was 28 times, so it's a dream but that money we made went right back into MBIF 100% as a not for profit. And we've now used that money to fund many, many more companies. In fact, we're going from a historical investment average of eight investments to a year per year to 12 to last year, having closed 18 investments. And so part of that is we have more money available to invest, but the other part of the equation that's important not to underestimate is that a couple of things come to mind here. One is, this money that was made in Radiant Six was put in the hands of New Brunswickers, and they've now invested that in more companies themselves. So they've become these founders became angel investors, who are investing in other companies, and then also the very fact that there was a big success like Radian Six motivates other angel investors, high net worth individuals, to to want to get in the in the race and and make a good investment as well. So we're seeing this. Uh, ballooning of angel investment in the province and we're also seeing many more entrepreneurs trying to be just like Chris Newton or just like Marcel LeBron and create the next Radio 6 so we're seeing a, a, a real boon in, uh, in new companies popping up so it's a lot of great uh, inertia and momentum that's built in our marketplace, which is fueling this whole startup craze that's happening in New Brunswick.
2: You know, and, and I, I appreciate you sharing a story. I know there's others, um, as Greg yeah. pointed out. But you know, what's great is it's just it's just a story. It kind of validates. What what everyone you know this whole entrepreneurship in the region right you know to yeah. hear that I think helps people kind of go okay it is possible right and and I would say if he, if it pays twenty eight times he said home run ten I'm thinking grand slam right
3: yes exactly <laughs> okay we we're all very happy with <laughs> oh, it yeah and, and the and the story continues because. Um, you know, the, often if you look at other jurisdictions where there's been big successes, and there's been a couple big ones recently in New Brunswick, Regan 6 being one and Q1 Labs being the other, um, both those companies together uh, were were acquired for a billion dollars. So that, that wealth creation and the success stories themselves spawns a lot of opportunity. And if you look at other jurisdictions that have had successes like that, uh, you, and, you, and you study them, you'll realize that the actual sale of these companies where the wealth is created is often chapter one. And over the next uh, five to ten years in those scenarios, you'll see many, many more companies being created and funded as a consequence. So I believe that we're just starting to turn the page on chapter one and starting to write chapter two. And there's no telling what the future holds as we start to write this book.
1: Now, Kelvin, one of the things that uh, I I tell as a story to many people from outside the region is this phenomenon. Um, and I want you to tell me if this is unique to us. Uh, I'm sure many of our listeners listening out of the province say, no, it's not unique. We have our own similar ecosystem. Um, but New Brunswick has this uh, ecosystem of mentorship that <clears throat> feels... It feels outer, outer, worldly in a way, and I I use the example all the time of Jerry Pond, yes, the successes that he had, which um, essentially really built an environment where the Q1 Labs and the Radiant Sixes and many others could thrive, yes, and it continues. The trickle down continues, and now we're <clears throat> we're seeing some of the team from Radiant Six uh, investing in other incredible companies that w- that already are you know employing forty fifty people. Um, is this a common uh, phenomenon in, in most startup communities or do we in, in New Brunswick and Atlantic Canada have just a different type of community uh, value that actually really makes for an awesome startup space a really collaborative startup space and I, I'm ignorantly asking you that I really don't know if this is, if this is unique to us or That's a good yeah. question yes Well I would say that
3: you know those those areas i'd say like uh, those areas that have uh, built their future on startups and innovation typically have that the the community that supports those very startups and all the innovative ideas and that extends to mentorship and advisors and you know you need that talent, uh, the sharing of ideas to to develop true innovation that has that upside potential. Um, so I think that, uh, the fact that we're seeing that in spades here in New Brunswick is indicative that we're onto something that we are building that startup community and there is all the potential that comes with it. But I would say to answer your question, um, we seem to have an advantage when it comes to, um, you know, the mentorship and, uh, the sharing of ideas and getting support, um, we benefit from, uh, a community that is, for all intents and purposes, small and consequently well-connected. And even if you don't know somebody, it doesn't take long for you to find somebody that knows that person you're aiming to talk to. So the network is really small in New Brunswick, and I think that's actually helped our entrepreneurs and our innovators develop their ideas is that they've had ready access to some of the top minds, people that have been through it before that can be mentors to them, that can support them in their efforts, that can help them to fund the businesses. And so we have an advantage in that regard. And one of the things that continues to, uh, you know, leave an impression on me is just how easy it is for people to get meetings with very influential people. Um, So we have a predisposition to want to help in New Brunswick. And I think some of the very top business leaders, like Jerry Pond and others, are always willing to give uh, people the time that they need to, uh, you know, to take the next step.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's funny, my next, uh, my next comment was, I was having a discussion with, uh, with my friend Derek Reedley recently, yeah. and he said New Brunswick, he, he was saying this to somebody else, we were in California together, and he was ex- trying to pitch what New Brunswick was all about, he goes, in New Brunswick, It takes about 10 to 15 minutes and one phone call, and you can have a coffee with your local billionaire. It's that easy. Now, of course, he's exaggerating a little bit, but it's true. We have icons in industry, icons in uh, technology. We have people who have just rocked the international world economically, Um, and we've got generations of that, and they are at our back door, you know, and uh, I think that is an advantage because in Toronto or New York or Los Angeles, they're also in their back door, but there's also millions of other people between them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm digging down this hole a little bit just to, uh, oftentimes, even on this podcast, we suggest how challenging it it is to work in certain industries from here, but... The work ethic and uh, the connection the community makes it possible for us to work internationally from here, but it's not an easy go. That being said, it's nice on this particular uh, podcast to actually suggest that, you know what? It actually is, in, in the world of startups and technology and research, this is a real great place to be. And would you argue that uh, to anybody in Boston or oh, in San Francisco? Oh, absolutely, yes. And, uh, you know, since one thing that's apparent to me, since
3: the Radian 6 and Q1 Labs deals hit the newswire, um, there's been increasingly more venture capitalists poking around down here, looking at opportunities. And I know... Many of them personally that have subsequently invested in some of our companies and have said to us that our companies are on par with with companies they see in other parts of the world. So our entrepreneurs are building world leading companies right here in New Brunswick, thanks to that community of support that exists. And I really believe it's providing our companies with a leg up and certainly a strong suit for New Brunswick is the ICT um, sector in general, um, information communications technology sector, whereby. Um, our, we, have, we have deep, deep capacity and infrastructure to support those type of companies. We've had a lot of successes in the past. But furthermore, to offset our, our, our disadvantage of maybe being a little removed from the major markets in the U.S., you can do anything by the Internet. So companies that we're seeing Develop successful businesses are doing tr- doing so through the internet, uh, through software, service type sales, and, and that sort of thing. So really, you can operate all over the world from New Brunswick um, and have and you know the benefits of many of these advantages we've talked about thanks to our community.
2: So we, he, you know new, you know we have this great startup community, lots of support as you're describing. Um, and, uh, and I th- but and I also know you to be um, relatively tough on on people coming in because you want to make sure you're <laughs> investing money there you know yes, the properly right because right. you got a mandate you got you, you, know, right. you have a responsibility here so so you know despite being you know so we can't equate nice with being you know naive so yeah. what do you when when someone comes to you uh, 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 or MBIf and says you know I've got this fabulous idea that I want to I would love to see you know you guys support what are Some and because we have entrepreneurs a a number of entrepreneurs listening to this, what what are some things that you you um, have you 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 expect to see um, to take you know an an idea seriously?
3: Yep, that's a great question. Very good question. So, I mean, it's basically. Greg and I are taking notes, by the way. Okay, good. (laughs) So. Well, from an MBF perspective, I mean, we we're different. We have a different uh, viewpoint. But how we operate is, we want to see more than an idea. You could have the great, you could have the next big idea. That's great, but we want to see how that idea can translate to a to a business. So, having the idea isn't enough to really take the next step with us. We want to see business case around the idea and how that business case can make the company very successful and profitable such that we can get a return as an investor. But I specifically say the first goal is, can this idea be translated into a successful business that's profitable, that uh, can operate all over the world, uh, can be a leader? And if you do that right and build it on old-fashioned business principles, then we as investor will gain confidence and we're assured that we can get our ROI a return on investment. Mm -hmm. And when we look at those companies and you're, so let's say you have the great idea and you have a great business case and you've demonstrated that to us. And we invite you into our boardroom, which we call our dragon den, And you're here to do the pitch to our investment team. Well, it really boils down to five things uh, Dave that we look for. So first of all, we start with the market because we really believe in market driven innovation. We want to see innovative solutions that address a market pain Uh, a need in the marketplace that's obvious and immediate, where money can be made. So we'll start with the market. We want to understand the market opportunity, the growth potential. We want to understand the need in the marketplace. And then after understanding that, we then can step down to the second area that we look at, which is the solution to address that need. Understand the innovation around the solution, the novelty of it. Um, How is it different and unique from the competition? Uh, what is the intellectual property rooted around it, et cetera. So we start the market, we move to the solution. And then thirdly, we say, okay, tell us about yourselves. We want to know about the team. Uh, we want to know what the team's track record is, what they bring to the table. We also want to realize, re, we want them to recognize that they may have to add members to the team they may have to augment the team with a board of directors, so we want to see what the future team looks like as well because one thing's for sure the founding team isn't always the team that carries the company through to success so that's the third point team fourthly we if you if you spend all the time identifying the market need, okay you've developed a solution through some long hours and sweat and you've built your team and sacrificed you've got some you you then want to make sure you have financing in place. So the fourth point is financing. And so when I look at financing, I'll understand what is the immediate need over the next 12, to 18 months, and what is the long-term need for the company to, to get to success over a five-year period. So understand how much funding is required to realize your dream, the vision you've painted for your company, and we want to chunk that down into bite-sized pieces and see where MBS can help. And then the flip side of that is in doing that to understand how much money is required, we then can look at the entire financial model supporting the business and say, do the assumptions make sense? And is there room for us to make a return on our investment? So the financing arm is the fourth point and it always has an A and a B side to it, the double-edged sword. And then fifthly, if you've done all that right, then you better make sure after you've raised money from family and friends, sacrificed your, uh, your own resources, you better make sure... That you have a competitive advantage that you can sustain over time so this is where funding patents trade secrets uh signing your team up under long-term contracts developing unique partnerships all all are, are areas that we want to see in our businesses because we want to make sure that we have ways of guarding um, the ideas that we have the business opportunity um, so that we can make as much money as possible uh, over the next few years before competition kind of erodes the, the market
1: opportunity. And essentially what you're doing is you're helping these companies become super tight. They're airtight. And just to become eligible for NBIF funding, what you're doing is you're setting them up for success down the road for, uh, for future investment and partnerships. It's... Uh, it's something similar I'm uh, Hemings House right now is going through B corporation certification Okay calendar, yes. yep. and it is a rigorous process we've been uh, doing it for a couple of months uh, the amount of financial information and legal changes to our charter and uh, even reporting and uh, policies but what what I'm seeing it as not as an annoyance I am truly making Hemings House um, investment ready. Because all the stuff you yeah, have to do to exactly. get certified, it may be a pain in the butt right now, but it's making you airtight. And I think that's a, a really neat way of pitching it to the people going to NBIF for this type of funding is it's going to be a lot of work to get your attention and get right. your money. But it's for the long run, It's uh, it's all gold, you know?
3: Yes, it's, I mean we certainly get the um, the griping and grieving that this work is required, and they don't not all of them recognize the value in it. But most of them, by the time they're done and a few years removed, realize that there's true value that comes through it. One of the, I'd like to you know expand on that for a second is you know in many instances we're the first interest, institutional investor in the company, meaning that we're the first you know independent outside investor that's putting capital in the company in return for shares. So we're taking these new uh, entrepreneurs through a process that most of them have never gone through before. Due diligence to get ready for the investment. Um, then if we move forward, um, we're doing a term sheet uh, for the lawyers to draft up all the legal documents. They're going through that for the first time. Then they're setting up a board of directors, a shareholders agreement, etc., for the first time. So, Part of our role is to not only provide the risk capital, but is to educate the entrepreneurs about this process. And you hit the nail on the head, Greg. The key is that through that process, they become investment ready. And so after the fact, they're more palatable to other investors. And part of the role that MBF plays, because we don't have deep, deep pockets to fund them forever, is once the company gets going and if the team hits their marks in their business plan, then they have our backing to, when they go out to raise angel money and venture capital money, we can leverage our network and our connections. So part of the role we do play is to be a catalyst for our companies to raise additional funds. And sometimes we will can participate in those financings. And sometimes if there's a big appetite, we'll back away and let the other financiers fund the whole thing. Hmm. And then we can cycle back and start more companies. So we do the heavy lifting Our, our sweet spot is with startup and early stage companies. Right. And we, and we want to support companies that are growing globally from day one.
2: This is great information, you know, for, for a company or someone who's got an idea who wants to build a business around it. So it's really, it's kind of, it's interesting how you lay it out. I'm, I imagine you've done that a few times in terms of helping people understand where you guys start and how to get, you know, investment ready and all this sort of thing. But on on the personal side, Calvin, and we, yeah. we're and just as, as, as we wrap up here, on the personal side, I mean, you know, Greg and I would know you to be, uh, you know, a conscientious guy who, who's got big dreams for the province and, you know, really passionate about what you do. Clearly, you can tell from this. This, you know this interview. Um, um, what is the hardest thing about you know having someone up in front giving a pitch in the dragon's den? Like I've always wondered, what's it like to? I've never been on the other side of that desk, you yeah. know. And you're realizing these guys are not ready, or maybe you're sitting back going, "I don't really believe in this idea." Or what? Like, what, what's the hardest, I guess, uh, feedback you, you feel like you've had to give to, to a to an individual?
3: Okay, that's a I, 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 that's a good question. I mean, first of all, it's always it's always. I mean, we just love. I know I myself, and I, I know my team too. We just love to meet new people and uh, to hear about their ideas and. and I am always amazed by the innovative ideas that are out there. And I can't take that away from anybody. And the fact they have the courage to come in and pitch to us and other investors, I mean, the credit goes to them. And just because MBS may say no, which we do quite a bit, as you alluded to, I mean, these investments are hard to get, um, but we may, when we, just because we say no doesn't mean the next guy isn't going to fund that business. And so there's many people that turned down Bill Gates with his idea and it became Microsoft or turned down Google at its infancy and look where it is today. So one investor makes a decision in the moment, may pass on it. The next guy may love it. They love the team and invest. So we try to be fair to everyone. And in doing so, we, what we do is whether we're going forward or not, we try to provide some constructive feedback to the team. So in a scenario where we're not interested at this time, we try to provide that constructive feedback uh, based on our assessment as to how the company could uh, pursue the business in such a way that would gain our interest. And in fact, we've had many companies get turned down the first go around, come back and prove to us that either we were wrong or that our feedback was correct and they adopted it. And then they earned a second investment, you know, they earned an investment from us on the second go around. Um, So we have, it is difficult to do that. I mean, probably probably, For our team, the hardest thing we do is is turn down people, but we feel that a quick turn down is, is better than a slow turn down. So we have this policy that if we meet a company and they're serious about acquiring an investment from MBIF, what we try to do is if we can get good information from the company all in order, within the t- two-week period of receiving that information, we will provide them with a yes or no. And the no is no, we are not moving forward for X, Y, Z reasons. Please address them and come back and see us. If it's yes, it means yes, we're willing to go to the next step of due diligence and digging deeper and getting to better understand your business.
1: The um, w- w- Just one tactical question I have, Colin, uh, sure. Kev- uh, is uh, the type of company that you are looking for my assumption, and please correct me if I'm wrong, my assumption is we're talking about new ideas, new companies, startups. That might be a wrong assumption, might be right. The second is you're looking for innovation, uh, new to uh, new to the universe ideas. Um, why don't you carve away what you're not looking for in businesses?
3: Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, well... Well, let me tell you, let me let me turn it on its head. Let me tell you what we are looking for and uh, just kind of reiterate what we are looking for. So typically what we look for is a startup or early stage company. By that, I mean a company that is just getting underway and often has no to little revenue. And they have a need for risk capital to get to market, acquire customers, build out the management team, protect their intellectual property, and try to grow and scale their business. That's when we step in and help those companies. So many of our companies um, would be just on the fringe of acquiring a few customers. That would be our sweet spot. And then we would help them scale up that business and help them to uh, secure follow-on investment from other investors, et cetera. And when we look at these companies, we do indeed, Greg, look for – The innovation, market-driven innovation, addressing that market need. And B, we look for uh, someone who has a really big vision and is trying to conquer the world. And we know it may not be realized, but we want to have that fire in the belly to see that global pain point solved. So we are looking to build a global company. And then thirdly, of course, the big investment, you'll hear the cliche is it's all about the team. Well, it is. So we really want to invest in good people, people that have what we call skin in the game, something at risk, passion, passion. A desire to realize their dream uh, ability to listen build a team collaborate um, those are the ingredients we're looking for what we don't look for is a company that's more mature that has already have the ability to to raise uh, bank financing traditional uh, financing who is profitable we leave that to the private sector there's lots of money for those businesses that are de-risked through their through their own uh, activities. And we try to focus on the high risk opportunities Great. and we step in when no one else will.
2: So just, just before we, we, um, we let you go here, Calvin, and this has been really educational. I hope um, so. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Well, How do so those, there, so the companies out there, entrepreneurs out there that want to reach out, learn more about MBIF and about yes. how, how you could potentially help them or even what the steps are or how to get sure. started. What, what do you recommend? How do they do that?
3: Okay, what I recommend for the companies is to, I would always recommend to first visit our website, mbif.ca, point en français. So take a look at our website nbf.ca and there what you'll find is not only information on our venture capital funds and our other funds available for companies but you'll also more importantly see stories of the very uh, entrepreneurs we've supported in their businesses. We profile the stories behind the businesses. You'll always see people faces. You can read about our portfolio of investments the individual companies, the entrepreneurs that back them and get a better understanding of what it is we're looking for through those stories. If you're And if if you as an entrepreneur are interested in working with NBIF, interested in getting an investment from us after that uh, kind of perusal of our website, what I would encourage you to do is to call our office, to speak with one of our investment analysts. And um, and then from there we can get a better idea of what it is you're working on, the opportunity. And typically what is involved at that point is we'd like to see – an executive summary or some type of document, even if you don't have a business plan, just some type of document outlining your opportunity. And usually we uh, then would look to set up a meeting pretty quickly to get to meet you and get to know you and understand uh, your pitch uh, and your vision. And uh, from there, we just kind of carry on the normal process. Uh, So I guess, you know, in summary, just, have a look at the website and don't be afraid to give us a call. We'd rather work through it with you.
2: Love it. Okay. People know. So expect yeah. the, the the calls are going to come flooding in. Just a a oh, fair That'd warning. Be great.
1: All right. Just so you know. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Kel- Kelvin, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate your insight. And thanks uh, for leading such Thank a great you. organization. It's inspiring mm. many yeah, yeah. in our area. Yeah. I yeah. love to hear the passion, buddy. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. Take care. Bye.
1: Bye-bye. See ya. So takeaways. I'm not innovative enough. I I, I don't think uh, I can get uh, any NBIF funding into Heming's house.
2: Well, you're you're you can you can get your own funding. You're not risky enough.
1: You guys are too stable. Maybe I can make a uh, make a camera out of corkscrews and uh, <laughs> and see <laughs> and see if uh, you know. But you know what? You know, for me, what's helpful is like.
2: So our companies probably wouldn't fit their mandate. You know, and that's not to say that maybe there's not some other avenue. Uh, I find it, as an entrepreneur, very helpful to hear, you know, when he talked about the five steps and the five different things that should happen, and in a very kind of practical way, you know what I mean? Um, and we know the companies they've invested in, and uh, thank God for that. And, you know, and the fact that it's 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 not government, right? Um, and the way they look at it, and this isn't a free ride. I mean, they – they, and, and I've heard stories about, you know, how, how how challenging they can be. But, you know, it's, it's – I mean, to me, it's out of – I mean, I know it probably was – not felt like this often. But it's the – you know, when you're challenging someone – um, to come up with a stronger plan, as an example, or, or or strengthen the team, or whatever. I mean, they're just being prag, prag- you know, pragmatic. It's a refiner's fire, you know.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, and, and I think that whole discussion we had about, you know, the process can be so rigorous and so time consuming, and you're putting so much of your own risk I- into this, but you're essentially getting ready for the big bad world. Right. I mean, at least they're friendly people, right. you know. But at the same, but you gotta, we have to build our businesses. Fit to sell, even though we're never, you know, we may never want to sell our businesses, we have to have them investment ready and sell ready, right? And that's a, that's airtight,
2: yeah. yeah. So, that's so, so those, I guess, that you know, therein lies the takeaways, hey? Eh? would be, yeah. be ready, um, uh, do the work like you're describing. And I, I just was thinking out, you know, as you were describing that, is that uh, I'd love to hear at some point, and I'm sure we'll would like to hear about the whole B carp, um. Um, process and you know, like because like other that was a really interesting interview we did
1: a while back with, uh, with Christy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, something else that I'd like to do as well is really start talking a little bit more about you know to you know, guests who are going through uh, well, maybe who are B Corps or who have uh, uh, you know, are, are social venture minded people who are uh, building businesses that have real positive impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our guests here have Mm -hmm. I think we should get some more who are even going further into Mm -hmm. that uh, you know uh, because I'm so curious because I'm going through the journey myself and maybe someday if one of our guests back out um, you know last minute which would never happen of course but if it did you and I can talk about the B Corp process great yeah
2: well and it was it was the interview that Calvin that kind of brought that out right and what he was describing wanting people to do so um, so big thanks to Calvin, and, and NBIF's doing good stuff, and you know what's really cool? Um, just kind of final little takeaway for me is that, is that um, you know, he, he really, you can tell he really cares about what he's doing and how he's supporting innovation in the province, eh? Oh my gosh, yeah. And, yeah, he, yeah, and totally. I've been reminded that he, he has an excellent um, team that helps produce commercials for him
1: exactly and uh, you know just like everybody else uh, you know their team is right here in this box you know give us a call yeah, um, yeah in all in all uh, reality um, Matt will put links to the NBIF yeah. um uh, commercials that we shot, and in fact, we've got a behind-the-scenes film that we made cool. of the making of those commercials, cool. and it's stunning. Yeah. And, uh, and This is an
2: innovation for people that aren't here that has been driven out of this tiny little province in
1: terms of population, right? Like, what yeah. are we, 750,000 people right 750,000 people, and so much, like your toilet, the thing that you sit on like three times a day or twice or <laughs> once or twice a week, I don't <laughs> so know Hopefully about. not three that times a day. That was invented in New Brunswick. Yeah. You know, the propeller, the single prop propeller. Wow. Amazing. Who knew? Yeah, you know. So, uh, yeah, check out their, their website, and um, you know, we got to give props again to uh, to Matt, our producer. Yes. Uh, also, he's uh, the man. i uh, we so appreciate. Yeah, th- you work, Matt. thank you, Matt, and uh, also uh, Tim, our engineer. He's been on hiatus for a while. He popped in earlier today to make sure everything is going to be spiffy, and it has been. We, you know, uh, uh, you know, we're really having a lot of fun with this. So thanks to everybody who's helping us. Thanks for. Uh, Thanks for all the, uh, the, the future uh, guests that are about to come on. And um, we're getting called in by our next guest right now. So I'll talk to you later, Dave. All right, buddy. Thanks for checking
0: out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko.
2: And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more.